Welcome back in, finally, to the Card Chronicle podcast. It's been a long time coming. Mike Rutherford here in Louisville, Kentucky. Danny Snard up in Columbus, Ohio. Lots to get to today, but we have to start with this. It's been a a long time since we've done another pod. People are upset about this. And, and since we last spoke, it finally happened. A lot of people have been asking the question for a long time now. When's this win coming? When are they going to win? Well... Folks, it happened. And I'm talking, of course, about our fantasy golf team correctly picking Max Homa to win the Farmers Insurance Open. We then, a week later, won the tiebreaker for the weekly uh, prize, the weekly cash prize, thanks to Joel Dahman. Our fantasy golf team is rolling. The question that everybody has been asking for years now has been answered. We have the first W. It's all that matters. Dan... Times are good. I mean, it, it was equivalent to like Ray Bork finally winning the cup or John Elway like finally winning the Super Bowl. Like the proverbial monkey is off our back. Like we, we always looked at ourselves as a, you know, kind of in the upper echelon great ones, even though the standings didn't say or said otherwise. But <laughs> um, I mean, I, I am forever indebted to Max Homa um plus he's awesome like i, well, I was actually talking about this yeah. with, with my brother like my favorite golfer is and always will be lee jansen kind of random uh, people have already turned <laughs> off the podcast um but uh just talk I, about I kenny Payne. yeah i know exactly but I, I will say i haven't had a favorite golfer besides tiger in a while but max homa has slid into the number one spot and i see him staying there for a long time this is a Max Homa podcast now. It is. This is who we are. This has become our identity. You're about to get 45 straight minutes of, of just Max Homa talk. A little Joel Dahman sprinkled in every now and then. It's, a, it, it's what we can do. Uh, we will, I mean, as... Can we keep talking about this? <laughs> the sad thing is how immediately my mood shifted when I was like about to just shift the conversation into actually having to talk about like my heart just sank and like my whole like like I get chills in my body. I'm like, well, I guess we have to fucking do this. Uh, like I mean, to watch. God. <laughs> the, the, I mean, since the, the joke there is that since the last time we did a podcast, the Louisville men's basketball team did win a game uh, finally for the first time in 2023. And the first time in the ACC, the Cards beat Georgia Tech. Uh, a week ago today, we're recording this here on the morning of Wednesday, February 8th. Uh, since then, some not-so-cool stuff has happened, and the Cards now sit at 3-21 and after last night's shellacking at the hands of Pittsburgh. And if you haven't heard yet, 21 losses is a new program record. Uh, we set the single-season record for most losses in a season. And we have at least eight games still to play, including the conference tournament there. So... Cards continuing to set records. Three and twenty. I mean, every time you say it out loud, it's like, are you? Is this is this fucking real life? Three and twenty-one. They're not getting better. They're not. I mean, I guess they're getting slightly better, but everybody else is too. This is my big thing going into last night's game, and this is why I had significant fears that it was going to get ugly. I didn't think it would get as ugly as it did, but you know, Louisville beats Georgia Tech. They played. Very close against Florida State. They had a 12-point lead against Boston College. Notre Dame kind of beat the shit out of them, and they, they made it respectable there at the end. And I think that the, the takeaway from that four-game stretch was, well, 
they're at least improving. They're still buying into the Kenny Payne message. They're still playing as hard as they can. Uh, you, you know, you're seeing Florida State beat them by 22 back in December, only beat them by three this go round. Clearly, there's some progress being made. And my fear was, you know, this was according to Kelly Dickey the first time in the history of Louisville basketball that we had played four games, four consecutive games against opponents with overall losing records. Like these teams, and I think this is the the scientific term suck ass like like they are awful teams in any other year we would be talking about winning these games all of them by by 15 points and you know this is boring and we'd be nitpicking and it would like there would be nothing to be said here like these are these are really bad power conference teams and yet we go one and three and we're talking about progress being made and my fear was with this upcoming stretch which by the way is the hardest that we have in conference play a significant uptick in competition that we're going to see that, that really we haven't gotten all that much better and it was more about who we were playing. And sure enough, last night against Pitt, who is now tied for first place in the conference, we lose by 34. It's never really competitive. We look like we've quit a little bit. And the road's not getting any easier now. You've got two games left against Virginia. you still got to go play at Duke and Cameron Indoor Stadium. You've got Clemson again on the day where they're going to honor the, the 2013 national title team. Um, you do get to play Georgia Tech again. Thank God for Josh Pastner. We love you so much. Um, Virginia Tech is still on the schedule, who's not all that good. But my point is, like, like, the toughest games that we have in league play are still sitting in front of us. And if last night was a sign of things to come, it's like this is only going to get uglier. It's only going to get more embarrassing. And this is not going to be the, the feel-good end of this disastrous season that I think some people were hoping for. Uh, I just, I'm, I've been concerned. I remain concerned. I, I'm definitely even more concerned after last night. Look, this is, a, this is a transparency podcast here, okay? We're transparent. Um, no, no sugarcoating. For the first time, no. I, I, really, in my life, I would say, um, not last night, but the two games before, Georgia Tech and Florida State. I, first off, I was in difficult situations to watch the game. Like Georgia Tech, I'm out to eat for work, and just very hard to get the game on. Florida State, um, I was actually in Louisville at the Omni, and they didn't have the TV on any of the bars there, which you know kind of speaks for itself. But Jesus. it was like I needed a like. Could I have made maybe more of an effort? you know, to go out of my way. And, and I mean, I did watch a little bit of them, but could I have like made more of an effort to, you know, just fully, you know, get into both those games, of course. But I mean, this is exhausting. I mean, I, I, and I don't blame anyone that's like, Hey, I, I need a break from this, you know? Um, yeah, I was glad we got the win against Georgia tech, but you know, I watched the game last night and yeah, I mean, there's really not nothing else to say. I mean, first off, as much as I hate it, I I do have to give credit to Pitt. Like as much as I'm like, God, you know, we're terrible. We don't guard the three point line. I mean, they were making every single shot they threw up. I was like, Yeah, oh my God, it was unbelievable. But um, like with that being said, you know, the quit, the throw in the towel. I mean, the windmill dunk sequence. You know, there's everyone saw it. There's no need to you know harp on it. It was it's embarrassing. Um, you know. The team is what it is this year. Like, we all know it. I, it. The only thing, I mean, like I said, I don't think we're, obviously, this is not, you know, breaking news. We're not a very good basketball team. 
But I think like the one thing everyone wanted to just see is like, hey, yeah, we're probably gonna lose most of these games, but like, can we just have like a tenfold, you know, from beginning of season to end of season on like effort and fundamentals and little things? And to me, nothing's changed. And you know, unfortunately, I think that that kind of falls back on coaching. So uh, I don't really know. It's exhausting to talk about. Um, it's you know, it's exhausting to watch. Um, and I think everyone's just kind of they're they're ready for March to get here and to turn the page to the spring game. The the other thing that hasn't changed because I'm with you. I mean, I think the on court product is still pretty much the same as what we've seen. I mean, it's gotten a little bit better since we were getting destroyed by everybody in December, but not a whole lot. And the other thing that hasn't changed has been the messaging after games. I think that people would feel a lot more comfortable moving forward. If Kenny Payne was, you know, fully laying out exactly what's happening here, fully laying out why this looks the way that it does fully laying out his plan to make it better outside of just getting more players. Instead, it's just these broad, sweeping statements that are kind of the same nebulous like deal after every single game. Like After last night's game, he, he brings up the little skirmish that happened between uh, Frederico Frederico, one of the best <laughs> names in college basketball, and Mike James and how you know the pit guys were in our guy's face and our guys kind of you know backed down and we just weren't ready for a fight. And I'm like... We were down by fucking thirty already at this point. Right. Like, like the, game, the game, if we had started an all-out brawl at that point and like beaten them up, we, it wouldn't have changed anything. Like we were getting our asses kicked in that game. Like you know, just having do. Do I think that the team needs to show more, show more fight and and have more grit and and be tougher? Yeah. Do I think that those things would make us a better like, like overall record this season? Maybe like by two or three games. Right. But when he's sitting, he's sitting here talking about. We got guys that don't know plays. We've got, you know, I mean, just the same thing that we've heard since November. And at some point you're like, who does that fall on? And and why should I believe if we are going to get this influx of talent, whether it's through the transfer portal next season or with the 2024 class in two seasons, that if these issues have persisted for four full months in your first campaign, that it's going to be any better when we get better players down the line. I mean, like, I'm not saying it can't get better I mean, surely to god it's, it's it'll get better next season to a, a smaller extent but if we're talking about reaching the goals and reaching the standard that this this program has for itself like there are red flags everywhere when it comes to just believing that kenny payne can be the guy who gets louisville basketball back to competing for national titles which i feel like i have to keep reminding everybody every that's the goal here the goal isn't to get to, to 10 wins next season and then get to 17 wins in, in the third season and then top out as this program that maybe could get like a five or a six seed. The goal is to be so good that just about every year you're in the discussion as a legitimate candidate to make a Final Four, to win a national title. Like that's the standard that's been set here. And if the low is this low, where we are, we are 301st. We're in the 300s on every predictive metric that's out there. We are 301 on Ken Palm. We are competing with the worst of the worst in college basketball. If that's the low, it's kind of hard to see the high being where it was 10 years ago or where it was in the, in the 80s. And that's what we're all wanting to see. And it, it's just, man, it, it, is, it is hard to, to buy into what's being sold right now because we're not really being sold anything outside of just the, the same thing that we heard 10 months ago, which is, I trust KP. I believe he knows what he's doing. 
I'm going to sit here. Like, you've got to give us something. And we're sitting here now less than a month ago in the, in the season, which is now going to be remembered forever as the worst in the history of Cardinal basketball. And we've still got really nothing tangible to point to and say, this is why I know it's going to get better. Yeah. And like, I put out a tweet a couple weeks ago and like, I don't know, the more I think about it, maybe, maybe it does need to happen, but you know, like you said, there really is no message right now. It's just like, well, here it is. I guess we're just going to ride along with it. You know, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, whether we truly are going to ride this out, which I think that'll be the case. Or if, you know, we're we're scrambling behind the scenes to see if there's any, you know, alternative candidates that, you know, might come in here. But um, it's just like we're, we're letting the Louisville – fans out here flailing in the wind and by doing that i mean geez i mean what what else does it say i mean we're losing a large portion of this fan base like it is i mean the darkest of the dark times right now um yeah i mean you know it's tough to watch these games and really have faith that even with better players that things are going to get better like you said, there are so many red flags from a coaching standpoint, from a motivation standpoint, um, from an in-game adjustment standpoint, from a scouting standpoint, where it's like, I mean, do these guys have a clue? Um, so, I don't know, man. It's tough to watch. Like, we can go along with this and just say, all right. Um, but I think by doing that, you're almost being a bad fan. Like I, I think you need to hold the program accountable and to higher standards. Um, and by just saying, all right, well, we, we'll see what happens next year. Uh, you're just, you're sending the program, you know, even further into the abyss. If you're almost waiting for something to happen when you've had no signs of, you know, anything positive for the last however be 10 months. The craziest thing to me about this, because typically when you've got a coach where there's, it's gotten so bad that there's some sort of debate about whether or not you should keep them, especially early on in their tenure, typically it's more hostile in the local scene, like with the fan base and the local media than it is nationally. Take Scott Satterfield, a perfect example. You know, he has that, that really bad second season, third season is just kind of whatever. And locally, there's a lot of criticism. There are a lot of people who are clamoring for a change. And nationally, you've got everybody saying, look, Satterfield, well-respected in football circles, clearly knows what he's doing. You know, Louisville fans better be careful what you wish for. And in this instance, it's kind of the opposite. You, you, you've got a divide here locally. And don't get me wrong, I, I think a majority of Louisville fans at this point are like, Jesus Christ! Like the three and twenty-one, uh, right. this is this is unacceptable. But you do have a lot of fans who still kind of are so attached to this notion that Kenny Payne can do no wrong, and you know, it's all the players' fault, and you guys are going to see, and you guys are idiots if you think that this is this is anything other than a total rebuild, and we saw this coming, and all this stuff. But nationally, I mean, it's almost to a man. It, people saying like, this is. A disaster. Like, like, how can you continue like this? And I know that there's been, it's been framed as kind of like former players here locally, all on the Kenny Payne train, and they're you know, they're they're blasting fans who who are critical, and you know you, you never played the game at a high level, you don't know what you're talking about. 
And I can tell you firsthand, and, and I've said this on the radio show if you've listened to it, like it's not a unanimous deal with the former players. Like there are definitely former players who are, are texting me, who are who are DMing me on Twitter, who are very upset with the way that things are going and who kind of see the same types of things that we see and who have a difficult time seeing this this whole thing getting better. And I know that the buzz, you know, people aren't going to say it publicly. You had Leonard Hamilton coming out and being like, I think that, you know, Kenny Payne's going to get the job done and all that stuff. That's not a unanimous opinion among coaches and people in the ACC either. There are a lot of people out there who are like, Louisville has recruiters. It doesn't have X's and O's coaches. And that, I think, is going to have to change. I don't know if the staff remains intact. If I'm Kenny Payne and I'm trying to send a message to the fan base that, you know, things are going to get better, I feel like there has to be at least some shakeup. I feel like you have to go out there and bring in a proven X's and O's guy. I know that, that I guess Danny Manning was supposed to be the answer to that question, a guy who's been a head coach before. Whatever the the intention, it's not working. It's just you don't lose 21 games at a place like Louisville by early February and have anything that's a working formula. It's just like the, I would have thought right. under the death penalty that we still would have been able to win more than three games. And yeah. we're sitting here, we're, we're not competitive against teams that are, are, are just kind of whatever. It's, it's, there's no other way to say it. It's as bad as it can possibly be at a program with this many built-in advantages. And I, I think, you know, like you said, maybe there's not, I mean, there's definitely outcry here locally, but even nationally, how people are talking about it's a disaster. I mean, this is one of us. This is this is an alumni. This is a former national champion at Louisville. And it's almost like having a scenario like where, if, you know, I'm going to throw my brother under the bus here, but like if my brother was going out <laughs> and getting in trouble all the time or getting arrested, like he's my brother. Like I'm going to defend him, you know, no matter what, what happened or what crime he committed or whatnot. Like he's my brother. Yes, I know it's wrong, but I'm going to defend this guy. And I, I, I think – you're seeing that, you know, within our fan base, which, you know, I, I respect that part of it. I respect, you know, get fans that are are loyal to someone, you know, who helped build this program up in the 80s. But, you know, at some point, I mean, geez, you got to you got you got to call a spade a spade and admit like, hey, you know, this this might just not be working out here. You know, I don't know where we went wrong. Um, I, I do feel a little bit for Kenny that. Like he walked into like this, uh, that's just awful timing. Yes, could he have done roster construction before the season? And does that fall on him and the staff shoulders? Yes, it does. Um, but I mean, he he has walked into a really shitty situation, and it's not fair. But the fact that, like you said, I mean, we there's just red flags popping up everywhere, and you know, from the way I see it, you know, I. I I wouldn't like if they're like, Hey, we really need to turn this around. Like the way Kenny wants to do it to me, like if he somehow was successful, like it's not going to be next year. I would have a hard you know, time believing it was even going to be the year after that. I mean, we're talking about maybe another three to four year rebuild. And like, there's just, there's too many red flags from a coaching standpoint, from a motivation standpoint, where I can put my faith in someone for that long and believe that it's actually going to happen. So, um, you know, I feel for Josh Hurd. Uh, I'm sure he thought he hit a home run with this hire, but he's going to have some, you know, tough conversations and tough decisions to make coming up. 
I'm not sure he thought he hit a home run, but that's a, a, a topic I, for, I, for a different I don't know. day. I mean, like, maybe you're right. I mean, I, I think he, a home run as far as appeasing the fan base, um, obviously, but coaching-wise, I don't know. I think maybe he – I mean, God, I mean, yes, would, would we have liked experience as a head coach? Of course. I mean, the credentials weren't, like, god-awful. I mean, he's – Coaching the NBA, you'd think it'd be a little bit better than this, but I, I think the, the the biggest red flag is the recruiting right now. And yes, is you know there's rumblings that it might get better, but um, we all thought it was going to be knock it out of the park from day one, and it's been the complete opposite of it. And that's one of the big issues. I mean, if you remember last spring when we did one of the podcasts after Payne got hired, and and look, I was hesitant of the pain hire and I laid out all the reasons why. And, um, you know, some people were on my side. A lot of people were, were critical of that, but we talked about after it was done, there are two ways. There, there were two ways that pain could really win people like me who are, who are kind of hesitant and kind of holding back and worried about the hire. There were two ways that he could win all these people over and he had to do at least one of them. The first way was obvious overachieve on the court to take a team that, people don't think it's going to be all that good, take them to the NCAA tournament or get them close to the NCAA tournament, show that you have the coaching chops to make it at a place like Louisville. That's not happening. The other way was to kill it in recruiting. You know, Give us something to look forward to for next season. Show us why it's going to get better. Have a top 10 class, a top 5 class. That's not happening either. And, I mean, you're bringing in now, we've got Emmanuel Okorafor who plays with a lot of energy and plays with a lot of heart, and I think we all, we all love him. He's... He's raw. Maybe he can he's, – he's raw. I mean, he can blossom into a better player maybe right. down the line. But he, he's not a guy that takes you, I think, next year into like, like, like NCAA tournament good by himself. You're bringing in Curtis Williams and Caleb Glenn, who I think could both be fine college players. But they're not, again, transformative players. They're not future lottery picks. We, we haven't talked about Karan Davis, who is, I mean, a junior college player with, let's just, just say it, He's got no recruiting profile out there. He, he's been recruited by nobody besides us. Maybe he winds up being fantastic. I, I'm going to hold out hope and that he'll be really, really good. But that's – you didn't expect when you hired Kenny Payne that you would have to be searching as hard as, as I had to to find information on a kid that just signed with Louisville. And, and that's kind of where we are right now. There's a lot of rumors out there that we're bringing in another kid from the NBA Africa uh, Academy that, like, that produced Emmanuel Cora for. We'll see what happens there. But for next season, like it's it's transfer portal or bust. And the big topic last week that, that I think got inspired by kind of a throwaway line in a Rick Bosich column was about the expectations for next season. Because let's be real, you know, this season's done. It's lost. Even if they overachieved and shocked everybody and won like four games between now and the end of the season, it, this would be still the worst season in the history of the program. So – all of the talk, all the focus is about the future. Can, can this get better? How quickly can it get better? And you and I, in the spring, we had a podcast where we laid out kind of our, our four-year plan for, for Louisville. And I don't remember exactly what you said. I think we were sort of in lockstep where I said, you know, year one, let's try to be at least as good as we were last year. That's not happening. Year two, I think you should make the NCAA tournament. You have immediately eligible transfers. You should be having you know, better recruits coming into the program. You're installing your culture. You've installed your system. 
you're, you know, you've gotten your feet wet. You've had a full season to be a head coach for the first time. You should make the tournament in year two. Year three, I think you should make the tournament easily. You, you should be, I'm not saying you should be national title good, but you should be competing in the top tier of the ACC. You should be con- like easily in the field. There should be no nervous feelings on Selection Sunday. And then year four, it should be all systems firing, you, you know, full steam ahead. You should, th- this should be Louisville basketball operating at its highest possible capacity under Kenny Payne. And we are not on that trajectory. And I'm, I'm not willing to lower my standards for year two because we've been historically bad in year one. I still say in this day and age where you've got – Kansas State was fucking terrible last year. They hired Jerome Tang. He brought in a bunch of transfers that, that people really hadn't heard of. They're one of the best teams in the country this year. Iowa State won two games two years ago. They brought in uh, TJ Osselberger. They won 22 games and went to the Sweet 16 last year. It can be done. You, you can turn things around very quickly in this day and age if you have the coaching acumen – I'm still saying, because both just thing was, you know, 500 should be the goal for next year. If they can get close to that, that signs, signs of progress. We shouldn't say that, like, right. winning 11 games is okay now because we won three in year one. I'm still saying if we don't go to the NCAA tournament in his second season, it's it, it's a letdown to me. No, 100%. And, like, I, I think the signs, I mean, I, I think we should know almost by, like, next December, January, like, if we're you know, on the trajectory of where the fan base thinks we should be. And if it's, you know, we're, we're meddling around 500 and we have a couple bad losses early in the season to non-con opponents or stuff like that. Um, you know, I don't know. I just, I'm with you. I don't, I think Louisville should be held to a higher standard. I don't think the fan base should have patience for that. Um, you know, especially, after what the fan base has been through for like the last like five or six years. I mean, we're just dying here. We really are. We are just dying for some progress somewhere. And to think that this season, like you said, is setting us back further than what seems like, like a two to three year NCAA tournament ban would like, that's how low we have sunk. Um, So, yeah, I mean, these, these next couple months are, are, I mean, they're pretty pretty much going to determine Kenny's career, what he does with the staff, what he does with the transfer portal. Um, you know, gosh, the I mean, the bench last night, the staff just looks so checked out. I mean, they really do. They do. I would, I, I would be shocked if there wasn't, you know, wholesale changes made. Um, you know, you got to bring someone in with a – uh, an X's and O's mind, a former head, you know, a former head coach, um, in my opinion. Um, but I don't know what else. What else do you really say? We're three and twenty-one. We're an embarrassment. Um, it's the lowest we've ever been as a program. There's nothing positive to say. So um, it sucks. That's where I'm at. Do you worry? Because this question's come up every now and then for the last couple of years. But do you worry about Louisville, this program that has been, you know, for most of our lives and, and for the bulk of the lives of everybody listening, regardless of what your age is, you know, one of the best programs in all of college basketball. Do you worry about us getting kind of stuck in that afterthought zone where, where we're just, we, we never really get back to where we're supposed to be? Kind of, I mean, the comparison that always gets brought up is Indiana. You know, they're right. one of the, the seven best programs of all time. They've got all these national titles. When we were growing up in the 90s, they were very good, but they were falling off a little bit. 
and now you sit here and they haven't been to a elite eight in two decades. Like, is there a concern? Because I'll, I'll I'll give a quick answer first. Like, I used to think that this was just a program that was indestructible. You know, we've we've had some hard times, but Louisville basketball is always going to be there. The fans are always going to be there. We're too big to fail, right? And that still may wind up being the case. But there is definitely a part of me that sees, you know, how checked out a lot of the fan base has become, that sees, you know, the attendance at the KFCM Center the last couple of years, and especially this season, that that kind of worries. I, I can foresee a world in, like, nine years where, you know, Louisville's kind of getting back to being good, but they're not really good. They're, like, number 21 in the country. They're hosting, like, a, a top 10 Virginia team. And the attendance is good. It's okay. And, and people are kind of excited. And I'm sitting there, like, talking to my son, talking to a, a 10-year-old John Rutherford, and I'm like, you know, you know, back in, you know, 2013, back in 2015, <laughs> like, like the city would stop for a game like this. Like, the place would have been – and, like, he just won't be able to relate. Like, he won't be able to see, like, Louisville basketball existing the way that it existed for most of our lives because he just hasn't known that. I mean, think about uh, if you were four years old when Louisville won the national title in 2013, too young to really have any any conscious memories of that. Since then, when you've been in those formative years, like – you, know, you get to like eight, nine years old, your early teens, you start really remembering seasons and having memories. All you know of Louisville basketball is scandals and losing. And I think that that's where, that's where you run the risk of, of losing an entire generation of fans. And kids these days are already not as into sports as, as you and I right. were and, and as mm-hmm. the older generation, where it's tougher to get them locked in to being a sports fan. And it's it's impossible when you're not a nationally relevant program or a program that's nationally relevant for the the right reasons I do get concerned that Louisville basketball, like, there's a part of me that worries that it's never going to get back to where it existed 10 years ago when it was, like, the most fun thing in the world and we all just lived for every single game. Like, like, I, I think, don't get me wrong, like, I, I'm, not, I'm not predicting that's going to happen, but there is a small part of me that does have that concern. This is a true story that actually happened, not one of those like made up stories like, oh, my son was like asking me about climate change last night. But no, like really, we sat down and <laughs> yeah. watched the game and we sat down and watched the game. I was like, hey, but I want to watch the game with you. And I'm not kidding. Four, five minutes into the game, he was like, do we have to keep watching this? And he went and read a book in his room. It literally happened. And I was oh my like, God. I mean, this is what's, this is actually, and I, I mean, I couldn't blame him. I was like, yeah, buddy, you can go ahead and read. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it absolutely sucks. And like you said, are we go? you know, am I worried about that? Of course I'm worried. Um, I think like we pointed to earlier, you can have maybe a quicker turnaround with the transfer portal today. So maybe it's not as dire as like, you know, like you said, maybe in Indiana back in like the mid 2000s, early 2010s. But I mean, we're losing fans. But I, I like I, we've said this from day one. Like this team, we would pack. I mean, not sell out, but we would have a, you know, nice sized crowd if this team, even if they lost, if they would just play balls to the wall, you know constant effort and we knew we were given everything we had but like when the team quits like you can't really you know blame the fan base for quitting um so i i think until you see that passion um from players again and and a team that looks like like they really want to show out and represent for the city um and you know like kenny payne said a couple years ago like 
what do you say win or die or i don't know what term you use but um win or learn and and now it's become it's it's transitioned in three months he was like we win or we learn and then the other day he was like well we win or you die here i'm like well you figured it out didn't you it only took three months to get there exactly so um but i mean we've said that from day one man that's all we're asking for and when you don't give it to us um unfortunately it it, it seems like the message is the city is not going to give it back to you so uh yep I, i mean all we can do is kind of play the waiting game here and and see what transpires here as far as changes um, starting in March and over the summer. But uh, if, you know, if you're like, Hey, is this going to work out? You know, gun to my head, I would say, no, I don't, I don't feel good about it working out. I don't either. It's hard to, at this point. I think people also get frustrated because like that was supposed to be the lowest bar to clear for this team. Like they may not be good, but by God, they're going to play hard. It's a new right. era. When you when you have a coaching change, like you expect these teams to just play their asses off every single night. Like we're never going to get outworked, and it's going to give us a sign of things to come. And that just has not happened. And, and I mean, you opposite. hear Kenny Payne. I mean, we're it the, is. We're, it's we, like it's not even we're not doing it. We're we're getting out hustled and out bullied every single game. Like you know, it's definitely every a, game a team that folds very easily and. Whether you want to say that's on the players, I don't think so. I, I think the coach needs to find a way to motivate and get that message through. Um, whether it's, you know, hey, the whole team subs out, we're playing the walk-ons. Like, I, honestly, you can yeah. say that's dumb. We're going to lose by 100. You got to do. You got to send any single message you can. Like, this won't be acceptable. And, and to me, it, it just seems like, hey – didn't run back on a you know windmill dunk. They get it, shoot a three. Up, oh, all right. Well, we're just gonna kind of roll with it and see what happens here. I don't know. It's just to me, it's I, I just sometimes I, I, I am flabbergasted at some of the decisions that are made over there. No, I, I was just about to say the, the exact same thing. The message after every game, you know, he'll he'll call out individual players from time to time. He'll he'll talk about you know Jalen Withers didn't do this. Jalen Withers didn't do that. You know, he, he yelled at Ellis after the play with, with Nike Sabandi last night and then just leaves him in the game. It's it's like, you know, fucking take him out. Like, if you're having exactly. that much of an issue, put him on the bench. I get that these are our best players, but what's the worst that could – oh, my, we may lose by 34 to Pitt. It's already <laughs> right. fucking happening. Like, like who cares at this point? Yeah, play play Zan 40 minutes if, if he's going to give better effort than some of these kids. It's just, like, you've got to give us a sign that things are, are going to get better with different players and we're not – we're not getting the sign. It's why I was talking with somebody who's humble brag who calls games at ESPN. He was talking about the you know Louisville. I haven't seen him play much this year. I'm, I'm calling some of their games coming up, um, and he was like, "I'm assuming for you at least, like having this disastrous season has been great for content." And I kind of I was like at first a little bit like you know people are, are you know they're more willing to listen to radio shows, go to websites, interact, and do all that stuff when things are really really good or when things are really, really bad, for sure. But at a certain point, it's just become this stagnant deal where it's the same conversation day after day after day because you've got one side that is saying, this is historically bad, it's terrible, I shouldn't have to, I don't really need more evidence that we're terrible and that this is the wrong thing because we've won three games and it's February. And on the other side, there hasn't really been any evidence to point to, to back up the, you know, 
I believe in Kenny Payne outside of just believing in Kenny Payne. And if you do that, that's totally fine. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm not criticizing you for that. But like, there hasn't been a big recruiting score to point to. There hasn't been market improvement in this team. So it's just this tired conversation where one side is pointing to exhibit A, B, C, and D, and the other side is just kind of pointing to exhibit A and just saying, look, he, he, he got players in the past. He'll get players here. It was a disaster under Chris Mack. And it's, a, it, it's the same thing day after day after day. And I think everybody just gets kind of sick of it. And we still have a full month of, of this to go. It's, it, I, I thought this season would be bad. I did not think it would be anything like this. I don't think anybody did. If you said you did, I think you're a liar. Uh, it, it's just, I, I, I never thought I, I never thought I'd be this saying question. this on February eighth. These, these last few weeks can't go by fast enough. All right, go ahead. What What has been more exhausting, scandal fatigue, or like talking about just how how awful this season's been? Because I mean, you did the scandal fatigue radio for a while. Um, but like for you to like have to hop on the radio every single day and, you know, we, can, we obviously watch the games, we can see the product, but for you to have to go through it each and every single day, what's, what's been more exhausting? Probably this, if I'm being honest, like, like it's just cause people are so, I, I think it's because it's it, because this is coming on the heels of all the scandal stuff. Like people were right. already, were already pissed off. They were already had fatigue. They already were just so desperate for Louisville basketball to get back to being fun that I think this made it made this season 50 times more difficult to stomach than it would have been otherwise. Uh, and also like with the scandal stuff, it sucked and it was gross, but it was it was ever changing like you were getting new information, you didn't know how it was all going to play out, and there was this overwhelming sense that whenever we get done with this, we get to go back to being Louisville basketball, right? Like like whenever we get through this, things are going to be fine. And I think this sucks more than that because, like, we're out from underneath the NCAA cloud now. There's no – we know we don't have a postseason ban coming. And I think there's still this overwhelming sense of I'm not sure how much better this is going to get or like how long – even if it does get better, how long is it going to be until we're back to, to competing for, for titles and stuff? I mean, I think that when – 10 years ago when we won the national championship, I think we thought that there was a – a really solid chance that we would be winning more in the decade to come. And certainly we, we were good enough to do it in 2014. Uh, we were right there in 2015. We had teams that could have done it in 2016 and 2017. And who knows what would have happened if the second scandal hadn't happened and Patino could have kept it rolling. But now we're looking at this and like, like I mean, we were in our late twenties when that happened. Like if Louisville's going to get back to competing for national titles, even relatively soon, like you and I are going to be in our forties. We're going to have kids that are like, you know, kind of getting growing up it's just it's weird to think about it in those terms I never thought that we would be in this position and it's it's sad and so I I think this season probably at least for me personally has been tougher to talk through and and to get through than the uh the scandal stuff just because I'm not sure that it's going to get that much better anytime soon would there be anything more shocking in your life if at some point Kenny Payne coaches the Louisville Cardinals to a final four Yeah, I mean, they're, they're 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 more shocking things. I'd be surprised. I'll, I'll I can admit. I'd be I'd be I'm rooting for it. I hope it happens. I'd be pleasantly surprised. But it seems in this moment right now, right? It's it, it, I'm just being honest. It seems like a long shot. I wish I didn't think that way. I wish I didn't have those thoughts. But I I do. That's the um, thing. Like 
I mean, we've said it a million times, like, I think we, everyone wanted this to work out. And like, if for whatever reason, like we overhaul our whole roster and, you know, in the summer and next year we kind of, you know, uh, just come out of nowhere and have a successful season. And then we kind of turn around like, Hey, if, if you ever see me on the street, if you want to just flip me the double bird and say, F you, I told you so, like, I'll eat that crow. I really will. Sure. Um, you know. But I'm just, you know, I can't lie of what I'm watching. It's just, it, it does not look like it's, like you said, trending in the direction that we all thought it would. And, you know, there's, it's just, you really, really have to squint to see anything working out here. I mean, I, it feels terrible to say it like this, but I'm rooting for these kids to just be shitheads. Like, I'm rooting for the problem to be all about the players because the players, can leave we can overhaul the roster Kenny Payne unless something crazy happens is going to get a second year and like that's that's your biggest hope right now your, your biggest hope is that this has been an abject failure of a season because he's just dealing with a bunch of shithead kids that that couldn't play for anybody Chris Mack yeah. couldn't get through to him see Rick I look couldn't back get to the to him. last year though like I I, I know I, I I'm just saying what the argument is what, what people know. out there are saying yep uh, you know um like a guy like I mean I don't want to pick on him but my my man Sid, um, I, I've I've never seen a player do such a 180 from an emotional standpoint on the court as he has from the yeah. end of last year until this year. And you know, I, I need something there. Like you know, what's going on? Is is there something going on? Is he checked? Like I mean, that in itself, you know, I I feel like we either demand an answer from the coaching staff or. Uh, whatnot, but he's night and day from what he was last year. And I, you know, that to me, another just red flag that falls on the coaching staff. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I hate saying it, but like you just, if there is hope for next season, you, you have to hope that it is all the players. I don't buy the argument, but it's your best, it's your best chance. And maybe like we get an entirely new roster here. Right. We keep Mike James, we keep a core of four, we keep a couple of the other guys and, we're rolling next year and we are like, you know, you and I are, are looking back at this 12 months later and we're saying, man, like should have just believed in KP. He clearly knew what he was doing. We just had a bunch of terrible bad apples. And like, that's, that's kind of your only hope right now. I, I don't think that's going to happen, but here's a shout out to, uh, all right. Uh, do you want to take force? Shout right. out to a core force three point ball. Look nice. It, it looked great. I mean, he blocked like six shots last night, by the way, yeah. we almost had, more we almost had more of our shots get blocked than we had made shots. We made 16 field goals. Pitt had 13 blocks. That's insane. Pitt also had more made three pointers than we had made shots. Yeah, I mean, I and I hate. I, I can't stand Pitt. I don't like Good times. people at all. But like, dude, they got some dudes on that team. They do for sure. All right, do you want to take a few questions here from from Twitter? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, we asked for these. I asked for these last week when I thought we were recording. We had to to postpone a little bit. So, shockingly, they're not dated because they're all kind of about the same thing. Um, Cocaine Bear Bryant, great name, says, "What's worse, being a Reds fan or this season of Louisville basketball?" <laughs> it is so. I mean, oh god. I mean, jeez. I would say this season of Louisville basketball, um, 
just because there's been, there's been no signs of anything positive and there's not really any signs of anything positive coming um, with the Reds. It's been dark for a long time, but if you're talking about right now, yes, it's going to be dark this year, but I mean, we got some guys down in the minors that finally feel like it's like, all right, they, they may be able to, to take this team here and we have a promising future, but the ownership is just so just ridiculous for the Reds that I, I feel dirty even saying them. Trent Flowers, BR Ellie De La Cruz, please. Uh, yeah, we, seriously. We, we need somebody right now. Yeah. Uh, we had we had Pat Kelly, the bats manager, on the radio show yesterday, and I was shocked at how refreshed I felt. Just like talking about robo umpires for fifteen minutes. I was like, Can you just do another hour? Can we just can we just talk about Reds prospects who may be playing for the bats this year? Yeah. Uh, but I'm with you. I, I think this season of global basketball for me is is harder than being a Reds fan, which is saying something. Uh, Wes Jackson yeah. says, if Mike Zabo coached UFL this year, would he have more than three wins with him for this team? I mean, do you want me to lie about this? I think we'd have nine or ten. You uh, played for him. Yeah, I know. I, <laughs> I know one thing. Um, the uh, the practices, I don't know what they're doing at practice, but um, you know, I, I'd have a hard time. With Z- seeing Z- uh, good old Mike Zabo accepting what's happening out on the court, there would there would be some heads rolling quickly. Um, Patrick Smith says, "Which season of the Wire is the best?" Easy answer for me. I feel like you have the same one. I I, I get them mixed up. It's um, it's the one with uh, God. Who do we say it was? Uh, we were just texting about this the other day. Um. You 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 saying you you want to say season four? Yes, the that's it. Um, with you know the student teaching. You love Dookie. Yeah, Dookie. That's it. Mr. Presbo. Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, it's probably. I think it's my favorite season of TV ever. Season four is is so good. It's it's awesome. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to scroll down. By the here. way, people uh, who say season see, two are trying way too hard. Like, like exactly. I'm like. I mean, I get it. You want to be different, but it's not the best season. Kevin says, were you offended by how quickly Titus and Tate brushed past your shout out at the end of their Fox episode uh, after the, all the ways they tortured you over the years? I was, and I let them know about it. They were like, they, they were, Titus and Tate are leaving Fox now, and they gave shout outs to, to everybody at the end, like all these heartfelt shout outs. And they talked about recurring guests, and they were like, Mike Rutherford and Moses, which is Mark's dog. And they talked about Moses for like 15 minutes. I got, I got, I could not have been brushed over more. It was like a 15-minute Moses discussion. All I had was my name just casually mentioned by Jim. It was terrible. It was, it was, it was embarrassing. But good luck to those guys. Yeah. Um, 33 and 3 says, go ahead. I was going to say. I was accosted by my brother Colin at this wedding this weekend, and he was like, next pod, tell Mike he has to read my question. Um, so, I don't know, at some point, if you don't remember it, I'll, 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 I'll tell it to you. But um, his question was basically – His question was who – Yeah, who would win a Royal Rumble between, like, all former L players? Is that it? Well, his question was who's your pick to win the Royal Rumble this weekend? But – I like that question better. Yeah. If I, I mean, so let's do that. All U of L players, um, you know, 
let's say from the Patino era on, this was tough. I mean, I think the the favorite would probably be Trez. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go Shane Bahannon. I think he's got enough crazy. Really, I think he's got enough crazy in him um, that and just kind of like sneakiness about him that he would be able to you know outlast the other 29 participants. Did you see? Uh, this is I, I don't know. I mean, so they're doing a TBT team with Louisville. They made the announcement official today. But like Peyton Siva put out the announcement a week and a half ago, I want to say, where he was like, "We're we're getting together a team, you know, some familiar faces." I think he he named like Raheem Buckles and uh, you know Dylan Avar and Russ Smith and and Stephen Enoch, and somebody quote tweeted it and was like, "Please come get Shane out of Newburgh." And like, I was just I just lost it. And like all these people were just like die. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> Uh, Shane would be, I feel like if Shane were a wrestler though, he'd be a heel. Like, like he would not be a baby. Oh yeah. He would embrace he'd be it too. A, he would, he'd be all about it. My, I said Trez, cause now I do remember your brother tweeting this and I said Trez initially on Twitter. And then one of our other buddies, Weber responded with Trez would, <laughs> Trez would like be over celebrating, knocking out Dylan Avar and then a crafty Zach Price would come and like, <laughs> not, like take him out. <laughs> just gets dumped from behind after he's looking over the ropes like oh man that's just shaking it after you know after tossing i don't know some walk on out and then zach price just comes over and just just takes him out uh i I can see that happening i'm still sticking with trez he's my answer I'm, i'm going with trez um i stand by it yeah um dr dunk says if we run the table in the regular season and then get to the acc title game we can get to 500. Do you think we can do it? Well, this was this was like a week and a half ago. So no. The thing is, if we if we if we won out, if we won our last seven regular season games, and then won four games to get to the ACC tournament title game, and then lost to like Virginia, who's really good, we still would be like the 150th team left out of the tournament. Like, like we still would have no shot at even being considered for a postseason tournament which is incredibly depressing, but we're going to have to win the whole thing. Um, let's see. Lewis says, since people keep saying we need to give KP a chance with his own players, why wasn't David Padgett allowed more than one year? I mean, a, a different situation for sure. I, I, do, I, I like that Jason Riley put out like a joke tweet saying, you know, after this season, I think we all owe David Padgett an apology, and I'll start. You people should apologize to David for how the way you treated him. And David like saw it and quote tweeted it with like the most earnest and honest response, talking about how you know you expect criticism when you have a job like this, and it was a dream for him to coach the team. Like David's just he's the nicest guy alive. Um, and, and I think looking back, the fact that he damn near made the NCAA tournament when he went from being the third assistant on the bench to being the head man with basically no staff, like two weeks away from the season starting is 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 no minor miracle he, he did a, a really good job that year um but at that time right. I, I i don't think that you could have just handed him the reins full time um and i mean you've also got financial interest if money were no concern if you didn't have the 10 million dollar buyout which goes down to eight on april 1st i think this would be a different discussion but let's be real like finances play a part here in, in this discussion with kenny payne and what you should do but I, I can understand that argument that, hey, if you didn't give David a second year, why should we give KP a second year? It's a little bit of a different situation. Yeah, I don't think people at that time thought our program was in, like, a, you know, 
a, a place where, you know, I, I think we thought we could still pull like a very, you know, tenured head coach that had past success and no offense to Dave um, at all by saying that. Um, but then I think like before you hired Kenny, I think there was, you know, kind of some divide in the fan base a little bit. And it, it seemed like the hire, you know, when in hindsight probably should have geared been geared more towards basketball experience was almost geared more towards uniting the fan base. Um, so I, I, I think that's kind of where, you know, the differences lie there. Uh, Ryan says, <laughs> this is actually, I had not thought about this. We thought last season was the worst season we'd ever seen. How did Kenny Payne manage to win less games than both Chris Mack, who won six games last year and Mike Begeese, who won seven games last year? Uh, how is that possible? That's I hadn't really thought about it, but yeah, that's that's yeah, depressing. Yep, I don't. It's uh, it's a rough one out there, folks. Just uh, keep your head on a swivel. <laughs> Mickey says, in light of this disaster season, why don't you think Kenny, Danny, and Nolan don't get out in front of the fans more and really help everyone understand what their long term plan is? Yeah, I mean that's we kind of mentioned that earlier in the show. I'd like to hear more of. Like, like, we don't need to keep hearing they don't understand what Louisville basketball is. And I, I tried to tell them this game was going to be a fight and they, they weren't ready for the fight. Like, that's done. Like, like, I feel like every Kenny Payne press conference, whether it's before a game or after a game, he's saying the types of things that you want to hear, like, when you're hired. It's great for an introductory press conference. It's great during the spring months when, when you're talking about what your culture is going to be like. We're in the middle of the season. Like, we want to hear more about the ins and the outs, like the, the X's and the O's. Like this is an abject failure. There's no doubt about it. There's no question. We're three and 21. Tell me exactly how this is going to get better without using any sort of broad generalities. Like, tell me what your plan is. And we have not gotten that really at all. Uh, I, I mean, Nolan Smith, we hear from him every now and then. I mean, he's, he's kind of got into it with some fans on Twitter. That's probably the most that we've really heard from him. Danny Manning is, he, he did the press conference for the Georgia tech game. No big deal. We won that game. But it, it, there's not a whole lot of yeah. The messaging has been has been poor. There's no there's no the way whole it. moving in silence thing and working in the shadows. Uh, that leash has run out. Like we we need answers. Um, we need a vision. We need uh, a plan laid out, detailed from you know a basketball X's and O's standpoint and a recruiting standpoint and as much detail as you can possibly give because right now the fans, I mean, like you said, I mean, what are we supposed to do? Just like hope and pray that this coaching staff that's three and 21 is going to figure this out on their own. You know, of course I don't have faith right now. It's yeah. I mean, it's tough. There's no question about it. Um, Michael says, how different would this season be had the first three games not been one-point losses? Is that a cause for our lack of effort and those games that set the tone? I mean, maybe yeah. a little bit. Like, I, I'm not totally going to poo-poo that theory. I, the most shocking thing about the start to the season for me was, I mean, we lost by 10 points to Lenore Ryan, who, by the way, has a losing record right yeah. now in Division Two, And, like, Kenny Payne comes out after that game, and, and he's like, we needed this. We, we needed the wake-up call. And I kind of was like, what? Like, like, this is a team, we had the lowest preseason expectations of any Louisville team 
since preseason predictions were a thing. Like, we had never been picked to finish 11th or 12th at a conference. That's where everybody had us. Like, if you wanted billboard material, you know, like Rick Pitino loved to post uh, printouts of people saying derogatory things about the team around the weight room. If you wanted, you could have filled the entire weight room with message board material, with, with, with just bulletin board material. This team should have had no problem coming out and playing with a chip on their shoulder from day one, and they never did. And then you still had, like, going into a Lipscomb game where we were an underdog, you've got Kenny Payne being like, yeah, we took him a little bit lightly. I think we had some guys that thought we were just going to roll. I'm like, how? We've, we've, we've won two games at that point. What the fuck are we doing? Um, so, I, like, maybe we would have been a little bit better if, we, if we'd won all those games by one point. But there's a part of me that thinks – the only difference would be we'd have six wins right now instead of three. Like I, I don't think it would have just categorically changed our season. I don't know if – I mean, I'm not, you know, shitting on anyone, hopefully by saying this, but if you watch the Lenore Ryan game and we're like, yeah, I'm not too bothered by this. I think we'll get better during the season. Then, like, I don't know what to tell you because that should have been the biggest red flag of all time. Like, uh-oh, um, this is going to be – a season here so I, I you know well the one point losses like yes from a record standpoint six wins looks a lot better than three um but i mean we all know what the team is just by the level of play of watching that scrimmage game in the first you know 10 games of the season i don't know what kind of work they put in during the summer but it, it, it seemed like it was all systems off there for the first month month and a half um, Brian says, did Josh Hurd get a free pass for KP's $10 million buyout? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't think he does. I like Josh a lot. I think he's doing a good job. Um, I do think it's weird that it, this isn't just a Josh thing, that athletic directors bid against themselves. I mean, let's be real. Nobody else was coming after Kenny Payne. I don't, with that being the case, I don't really understand why you have a a, a buyout that starts at $10 million and then goes down incrementally by $2 million every year. It seems like that's unnecessary. Um, and it was only going to come up if if this was a total disaster, which it has been so far. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what led to that. I'm sure that that was negotiated on Payne's end. But I'm surprised that that wound up being in his contract. And, and no, I don't, I don't think – no any. Nobody gets a free pass for anything when it comes to this. Like, like everybody deserves a little bit of the blame, and, and if you want to blame Josh Hurd for that, then you're, you're well within your rights. I think that that was a it's a weird stipulation for sure. At least to me. <laughs> my man Josh Hurd is going to be the biggest football fan of all time. Like, he's about <laughs> oh yeah, oh <laughs> gonna, my god, Jeff, I need you here, buddy. You got you got to help me out year one here. I mean, we're up by like forty on Georgia Tech, and he's like, "Fucking more, more." <laughs> <laughs> Throw it! Oh God, a hundred percent. I hope he does. I hope every win we have, he milks it to the fullest of his ability. Because um, I'm sure that's just night and day of having to dealing, you know, having to deal with this mess over here. Uh, Aaron Pierce says, "What's one sign you can point to that gives you hope the next season will be different?" If we can try to get positive first of all i should say as far as messaging I, I meant to add this in the last i did like that after the 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 last game uh the, the game before we just got smoked by pit who i can't even keep track of who the, 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 we, we keep losing to florida state when we lost the game by three i did like that kenny payne sort of reversed course remember at the beginning of the season he did the thing where it was like 
kind of implying that if you were upset, you were a bad yeah. fan. Where he's like, hey, we see you. We're not, we're not going to forget. And I was like, come on, man. Like, people people could be upset about losing to Appalachian State and Bellarmine and Wright State. Like, that, that's we're well within our rights to think that that should not be the standard. I like that he sort of reversed course on that. And after the Florida State game said, you know, our fans have been great this season. The ones that are showing up at games, they're loud, they're into it, which is true. The fans that have been at games this season have been tremendous. And he also said, and the ones that are, are, are mad – I like that. Like, I, you, you should hold our feet to the fire. Like, you should be that passionate. And I was like, that's that's the right chord to strike right now. But if we're talking about one reason to be optimistic for next season, I'll say this. Like, last year was a, a failure as well. We won more games than we're going to win this year. But there was a whole lot of just nasty stories behind closed doors, players fighting, coaches getting into it with players, like all this stuff. And it got out, and people were – Players were passive aggressive on social media, like all this stuff. You haven't really had that this year. And, and, you know, the team has three wins. I'm sure people are pissed off. I'm sure players are upset about the way that things are going. I'm sure there's some guys who feel like things should be done differently. And yet you haven't had a player call out the coaches at a press conference. You haven't had a player yeah. leave the team. You haven't had a player, you know, sending some, some shitty tweets. Like you haven't had any of that. So like, if you want to believe that KP is building this the right way and that he's building a culture that people can believe in, that's your piece of evidence. So that's that. That's me trying and, here and for next year. I mean, I think the fact that yes, have we have not you know really knocked it out of the park recruiting, but I'm actually you know I hate to even say this out loud, I'm a little shocked that we didn't get like a decommitment from like Caleb Glenn or Curtis Williams or one of those two guys because I mean they could have easily seen this disaster and been like, yeah, I'm going to jump ship here. But you know the fact that it seems like they're sticking with their commitments. Um, and like you said, we haven't really heard anything behind closed doors. Uh, you know, maybe from a culture standpoint, you know, knock on wood, we're, we're hopefully trending in the right direction. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of with you. I'll, I'll say that's the positive. Uh, Phil says Elac versus uh, this year's cards who win. Have you watched last chance you basketball? I haven't watched the new season now. Uh, my answer is is Louisville, but it's it's closer than it should be. That was kind of my concern with you know we signed Karan Davis. He plays in that South Coast South Conference. He plays out there with with East LA, and if you watch the Last Chance U show, like ELAC has the best talent of any team out there of any junior college team out there. They're playing at the highest level. They're competing for the state championship, like and their best players. They're typically going to like right. Long Beach State or division two or, or you know and they're not stars at those programs like the, the, they're like they're the best player in season one that you watch the kj kid he ended up going to texas tech he's coming off the bench and he's averaging like three points for the worst team in the big 12 and he's like the best junior college player out there this this team that karan davis plays for is not one of the better teams in that conference not one of the better teams out there and like karan davis hasn't gotten any offers besides us it's why like I'm hoping this can work out. I'm hoping he can be a really high level player, but it would be kind of unheard of for a, a guy like that at that level to 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 be a superstar at Louisville. And I mean, I, I go to JUCO um, JUCORecruiting.com. It's the only website that covers JUCO recruiting as much as they can. Their preseason top 100 JUCO ratings for this year's class. They had like 50 others too. Like Cron Davis wasn't on there. Not saying that he doesn't belong there, and it wasn't just a massive oversight, but it's just. It's a weird thing. This kid kind of came out of nowhere. I hope he's 
Oh, yeah. if he's great. I mean, it's, it's, shout it's out to the, I forget which Twitter handle like put like a open thread of all his highlights and stuff like that. And were there some highlights in there? Yeah, yeah there were some. But uh, how do I put this nicely? Um, there's a lot of work ahead for the coaching staff there. Um, so. Yeah, if you if you if you enjoy the defense that we play this year, Karan Davis fits into the like. There are a lot of possessions where he's just not moving a whole lot there on yeah. defense. And I get that it's junior college, but I'm like, yeah, he'd fit right exactly. in right now. I think he, he's. I, I can see why. My understanding, by the way, is that recruitment was a a Danny Manning special. Like Manning's the one who offered him. Manning's the one who believes in him. So, um, we'll, we'll hopefully Danny's. That's the right worst on this part one. of all of this. Um, My Jeff Danny Crawford, Manning, like, go ahead. You know, Yes, it was kind of a joke, but like I guess a little serious. But now that's all; it's dead. <laughs> like I can't even like make a joke about it. I'm like, oh, sorry. I mean, I almost called you out earlier. You're like, we need an X's and O's former head coach type on the staff, and I was like, well, that was supposed to be <laughs> yeah, your boy this year. I don't know. Sometimes, uh, sometimes you're sitting on that sideline a little too long, and maybe you kind of drift into into space and kind of lose touch with the modern game but um yeah i don't really know what's going on there uh you'll have to answer this question because i've never seen the show we can end on this one jab crawford says if you guys were sopranos characters which ones would you be i've never seen the sopranos i still haven't watched it i know you oh love man it. i mean i think everyone's dream is to be uh is to be tony um obviously i i think um gosh you look like a uh a, I think you're a Christopher Maltesanti guy, um, and I'd probably put myself as uh, God. You could be Sill as well. I'm going to say you're Christopher, and I'm Polly Walnuts. Um, you need to watch it. I mean, there's there's really nothing else to say. It's it's one of the better shows of all time, obviously. But um, it's it's a chore. I'm not going to lie. It's it's a grind, but it's it's well worth your time. I've got zero frame of reference for what you just said. Uh, before we get to Dan and the Dumps real quickly, our podcast once again is being brought to you by our friends over at Homefield Apparel. They have a new product launch out there, new card stuff. It's it's all new designs. I bought the, the new script Louisville hoodie, which is fantastic. They've got a new Louisville football shirt that I know people are very excited about. Go to homefieldapparel.com for the latest releases on UofL. Also follow them on social media, at Homefield Apparel without an E on Twitter, and at Homefield Apparel on Instagram. Is the best way to keep up with all the new deals, the latest promo codes, and the latest styles that Homefield Apparel has for you. We love our guys over there at Homefield Apparel and HomefieldApparel.com. All right, Dan, you've had a month to prepare yeah. for this. I'm hoping for a good Dan of the Dunks right. today. So, um, since New Year's, I, you know, I, I, I've been trying to kind of, you know, shed the 2022 weight. I've been eating a little healthy, a lot of salads for lunch. Um, so, I'm feeling a little light on my feet, feeling good about myself. And, I honestly, I haven't really played basketball in a couple of years. Um, I sprained my ankle like very, very bad. I think in like 2019, 2020, and I haven't really got back into it, but I was like, Hey, you know what? Like kind of getting a little ambition. I'm like, I'm going to head up Saturday morning and run, uh, run at the Dublin rec center up here. Court one. Um, now I could have taken the easy way out and kind of ease my way back into it with like the 35 and up league, but I mean, come on, I played high school basketball, like, I still got it, you know. So, I roll up there, and, you know, first game of the day, I got there a little early, get some shots up, um, and, you know, teams are picked, and, uh, you know, I'm the only Caucasian on the floor, um, first off. 
So like I was like you're seeing sharks circling water. Like I was a hundred percent like fresh meat. I definitely could tell I was like maybe not the oldest, but one of the older people there. Um, but you know, I was I, I still felt good. I had a little pep in my step. Um, but immediately, like kind of when like you know everyone just stands around and matches up, um, and you could just tell like whoever was on our team like. I guess didn't want to guard the guy who looked like he had played some sort of D1 sport. So I was just kind of standing next to him. And <laughs> I was like, all right, I got this guy. So like, I'm like, all right, I'm really hyping myself up here. So like first possession, this dude brings the ball down. And I mean, I'm, I'm backpedaling, like feeling good. And he fucking comes at me like a freight train and absolutely fucking bulldozes me to where like i it's one of those where i like land on my ass and slide like back underneath the goal into the out of bounds and he just puts up and he goes literally yeah, yeah. he goes he don't want it and i was like what have i done what the fuck have i done i mean i was out of breath maybe by the fifth possession like wasn't even going inside the three-point line this guy took me baseline multiple times, <laughs> multiple times. Like, I'm a big, like, I kind of deceiving because I have long arms. So I kind of let people back me down. And then I'm like, all right, I'll kind of, you know, trick them into thinking they can get the shot off and block their shot. Yeah, those days are gone. He backed me down and fucking just went straight through <laughs> me. I was like, oh, no, God. Um, literally in two games, went one for six. And the worst part was, like, I wore this shirt that was way too tight i mean it was the tightest long sleeve shirt ever <laughs> and one of the dudes that we were just sitting there like almost during a dead ball and he just grabs grabs kind of my my breast area and twists on it and just goes nipples and i was like I, and i was i didn't even respond i just put my head down and i was like all right check ball um <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah needless to say I'm, now i've kind of arrived back at the 35 and over league hoping to get my game back a little bit before i work the courage back up to go to court one but um it was a rude awakening you can never you, you can never go back to this gym again like it's done it's over you no, can never no, show your give, face there give again. Me a couple ga- i mean like you know once I get my three ball back, like I can hang with anyone on there. I'm still confident in that. But yeah, the shot when the shot's not falling, it's uh, I'm an average Joe out there to put it um, lightly. So uh, yeah, and I was very out of shape. But those guys look like they play all the time, and um, it was it was I mean, tough. You got, no doubt, you got you got bullied. I did. I mean, there's no other way to put it. It was embarrassing. I you were just bullied on. by the Dublin elite. Like, like yeah, I'm, my wife was I'm like, worried. how'd it go? And I like literally lied to her. I was like, it went great. Like, deep down in my head, I was like thinking about that guy just fucking trucking me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. Just solidarity with global basketball. That's that's what's happening here. Solidarity with the cards. That's that's what Danny Sennard's all about. All right, uh, we, we can wrap up on that note. Uh, if you haven't yet, please subscribe to the podcast. It's the best way to find out when new pods are available. I promise, as shitty as the season is, we are going to try to get more consistent. Danny just had some, some work stuff. Um, you know, I had some stuff going on the last couple of weeks, so we've, we just, just hit or miss. We are going to try to be back, even if it's us just saying the same bullshit on a week-to-week basis. It's still February, goddammit. We're still going to be here for you. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a nice rating. Give us a review if you can. And uh, we will see you guys next time. God, Waste management open, baby. Let's go. Go cards. Go Max.